This is a reminder you're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Welcome back to the Breakfast Show. Thank you for that, Arthur. We're moving on this morning with our quiz. Um, so we, we actually have a winner of our, of our quiz. We have Nick from Sale in Victoria, who correctly guessed uh, Joel, the book of Joel. Congratulations so- to Nick from Sale. Well done. That was a bit of an obscure uh, clues that we had there this morning. And uh, so that means we're having another, another quiz right now. So what have we got for our next quiz there, Liam? Our next quiz that we have got is... Uh, okay, so this is What City Am I? Which city was Bera the king of? That is correct. So if you think you know the answer, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text at 0491-064-669. There we go. Okay, so this morning we're getting into our Encounter with God Bible study. Quick reminder as we do so to head over on Saturday morning to at between 9.30, 10.30 Australian Eastern Standard Time. Small group Bible study happening right here on Faith FM. Matt Barra and myself, interactive Bible study. So do head across there on Saturday morning for your weekend Bible study as a part of your worship experience. We would love to have your company. We have enjoyed our audience. It's been increasing each week and we look forward to all of your contributions as as you uh, call in and be part of the show. I have one one recommendation for the show, though. One way to improve it. One thing that I love, a jingle. Get an introduction to it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, look, Liam, I don't, Liam I don't is, know if you've noticed. Liam is the but, king of jingles. But I love jingles. But I've, I've sort of tried to add something to question of the day, which if you don't know what it is, when it comes to time for the question of the day, we want to, we, I will gladly once again remind you. Okay, let's go to our Bible study of the day. And today we're talking about the influence of culture on our approach to the Bible. Now, this is one that I've kind of been looking forward to because I think there's a lot of interesting things we can talk about. At the same time, it's not something that is directly addressed a whole lot in the Bible. So let's go over to First uh, John chapter 2 verse 15 to 17, and we'll look at an example here of where culture is being addressed. So First John chapter 2, verse 15 to 17. Liam, okay, thanks. here we go. Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. So there we go. Okay, so when we... Oh, hey, was it, how many verses? Was uh, it? I was through to verse 17. Oh, I didn't read. To, I just, that was 15. For the, I was going to say, we can, there's <laughs> lots of good things we can talk about with, with 15, but... Okay, so continuing on verse 16. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything the people that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Okay, so the Bible is, is, um, the Bible is very clear in relationship to our... Our relationship to the world. Now, in the world, let's, let's let's talk about this in the context of culture. In the world, we all have a culture that we come from. Indeed. And we all have a culture that we live in, and often the culture we live in is different from the culture that we come from. Uh, and there are lots of you know really positive things about many different cultures from you know right around the world. What does the Bible what is the principle here in relationship to culture? Is culture subject to the Bible or the Bible subject to culture? I th- from what I'm, I'm gathering, that culture is subject to the Bible. 
Absolutely. Yes. Unquestionably, culture is subject to the Bible. And, uh, you know, whatever our culture is, we need to bring it to the test of Scripture because sometimes the, bio, the, sometimes the Bible is going to be agnostic towards our culture, sometimes it's going to be positive towards our culture, and sometimes it's going to be negative towards our culture. Yeah, and I think regardless of whether you, you, you know, I think culture, whether it's the culture you come from or the culture you, that you're in, it always sort of defines the way you live. But we've got to make sure that, it doesn't overthrow, it doesn't overpower what the Bible says. Okay, and so what you're going to find then is, you know, God, when God, when the Bible is written, yep. uh, there's basically two cultures in the Bible. Uh, what would those two cultures be? Any thoughts on that? Uh, the, uh, the Hebrew, Hebrew culture, culture, yes. And the Roman culture. Yeah, which is or really Greek culture. Greek culture, yeah. Because yeah, the Romans just had Greek culture. Really, yeah. When you. Boils down. They worship Greek gods, and Greece was the Greek was the language that was spoke, spoken right across the empire. Yeah. Indeed. So it was Hellenic culture and uh, Hebrew culture, the two cultures that you have in the Bible, and uh, God writes the Bible within those cultural contexts while remaining above culture. Really. So what are you, what you're going to find here is that there are some issues that we kind of think, well, God should be a whole lot stronger on that yeah. particular issue. Indeed. Where God's kind of like, you know, not. It's, mm. just, it's just not an issue for God. There are other issues where God comes out and says, no, the culture you here think is it's- absolutely fundamentally wrong and I'm going to address it and change it, and he does. And these could be things that in today's, from the influence of today's culture, we might think it's ridiculous. But in reality, when well, we look at the is, Bible... This is what I find. I find things that happen in, within Christianity today that people get super passionate about. Yes. That God is not super passionate about. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and, 100%. And, 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 you, and you can point out from the Bible, yeah, God doesn't have a whole lot to say about this. And they'll say, well, you know, that was the culture of the times and God was writing to the culture of the times. But if it was a moral issue, God would have changed it. Absolutely. Simple as that. Oh, yeah. You know, that's the, that is the absolute crystal clear mandate that we have right there is that when culture is wrong, God changes it. Mm. And God had a tremendous opportunity to change culture within Hebrew culture because the Hebrew culture was not just a culture that had sort of, you know, had you know come along and been handed to God as like, well, this is what you've got to work with. This was a culture that God actually had the opportunity to develop because this was a nation that was also his church and it was a nation that operated under a theocracy. Yes. So God did not have the same opportunity to change Greek culture as he did Hebrew culture because Greek culture did not belong to him. No, it was he was much more influential on yeah, and the that, Greek culture, they call, they some of the Greek culture wanted to disown Jesus as well. Yeah, yeah, but the the Greek culture was never anything that belonged to God. It was not something that you know God claimed ownership of. Whereas with Hebrew culture, you know God could dictate exactly what the culture was. It stems it it, it sort of stemmed from way back even to Abrahamic times. You know the people of Israel and the journey of of how they got to where they are today, and and most of the people the the Hebrew in the Hebrew culture would have come from somewhere in uh, the Abrahamic. Okay, so what we've got to look at is, and we've got to keep this in mind. This is a very important issue to keep in mind, these two different cultures that you've got in the Bible, uh, because you have to remember when God is speaking to a Greek culture that he has no control over. No. 
as compared to when God is speaking to a Hebrew culture that he does have absolute control over. Indeed. So in the Greek culture, of course, um, God is, you know, the, the message is spreading across all cultures. This is the New Testament. It is spreading across all languages. It's going to all people and to all kinds of different governments, but primarily the Roman government. Yes. Primarily going to the Roman Empire under the Roman government, whereas in uh, uh, Hebrew culture, it is going to the Hebrew people, and it is coming through his own government, which is a theocracy. Indeed. And so you can do very different things. Yeah. And so, for instance, you will hear God talking, you know, to uh, take, for instance, the issue of slavery. Mm. Okay. God speaks about slavery in the Hebrew culture. Yes. And God speaks about slavery in the Greek culture. And when God speaks about slavery in the Hebrew culture, he's not talking about slavery as we call it today. He's talking about servanthood. Mm -hmm. And he makes that clear and he, and he outlines the rights that a servant has. Absolutely. Um, and the, you know, modern, a lot of modern Bible translations have translated that as slave, and a lot of them have translated as servant. But when you come to a Greek culture, the slaves were actually slaves. Yeah, they weren't servants. They yeah, they were brutally that's right. not treated very well. And God can't change that because that's not His government. Yeah. Okay, so He tells slaves, okay, this is how you behave, and this is what you do under this culture. But in Hebrew culture, he will talk to the masters, which are not actually masters, they're employers, because Hebrew slaves in Hebrew culture were employed. And that's a very, very key difference between the two. And he speaks to the employers and he says, this is how you will treat your employees. Yeah, be being a slave in the Hebrew culture wasn't something that was terrible. No, not at all. It's just... It's like a job. Yeah, it was a. It was basically a, a subcontractor. You're a subcontractor, indeed. Uh, so you would contract for a particular period to do a particular kind of work, and uh, your wages, because there was wages that were involved, um, were very, very clearly outlined in that. And so you've got two very big cultural differences that we often don't. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Okay, so that's always going to be important for us. Is this New Testament? Is God writing to a culture that he has no control over, that does not recognize him and does not serve him? Or is this Old Testament, whereas God is writing to a culture that he does have control over, where people do profess to serve him? Yeah, so uh, yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way of putting it. Okay, so let's look at, uh, let's, let's, let's look at culture and let's uh, think about some of the things that might be... Um, changeable as far as culture goes and some of the various different cultures that we deal with. I'm going to talk, uh, I'm going to highlight a couple of different ones here. First one I'm going to talk about is culture and burial customs. Yes. Oh, yeah. Okay, so in uh, Hebrew culture, this is what you find. You find the burial custom was to bury people in a cave, whether real or man-made. Yes. Uh, the modern a, version a of that, of some the sort. Modern, modern version of that is a crypt. Yeah. Or a uh, yeah, a crypt. Okay, so people were not buried in the ground, neither were they cremated. They were buried in a cave. I've, um, Is there any biblical mandate that says that that's how my, how we must be buried? Not not that I know of. No. Okay. I just I got to back back in back in the day, way back when, when they buried people in these caves. This is yes. um, did they put what what did they put inside the cave? Did they only put the body inside this tomb or this cave? Depending on how wealthy you were. Because I've driven past cemeteries and I've seen these crypts and I've seen some that's got the windows, some that have a fan in them. 
lights and all these, all this non, all this, all sorts of things inside. And I, that within your culture is non-essential. No, and I don't understand. And this is one of the key things: is that we will often never understand the culture of a. Well, how does a, someone that is how does someone that is passed away? How do they benefit from a ceiling fan? Okay, and it's not about the person that has passed away; it's about the per- people who are left. Okay, and how do they find comfort? And that's what we've got to respect, because different people are going to find comfort in different ways. So, for instance, uh, Hebrew culture would bury in a cave, but other cultures would bury in the ground. Um, some, you know, of your European cultures at that particular time would cremate, and uh, we often attach. Biblical mandates that do not exist yep. to our culture because we're like, this is my culture. You know, my culture, my culture dictates that a person is buried in the ground. Yeah. Um, therefore, that is biblically correct. And we will try and arrange a whole array of Bible verses to back up what is our culture rather than what is a biblical mandate. Now, there actually is no biblical mandate as to how a person should be buried. From what I, I, I've got to be honest, I have not done a lot of study on death and, and burial because it's not my favourite subject. It's, just everyone's got their things. This is not my thing. It makes me feel uncomfortable talking about it. So I haven't done a lot of uh, study on it. However, from the study that I have done, like you said, it doesn't tell you how you should do it, but rather how you shouldn't do it or, or, or things that shouldn't be done, such as beheadings. Okay, we're not talking about death, we're talking about burial. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, fair enough. Yep. So, um, yeah, no, beheadings are kind of bad. The Bible says <laughs> that's not kill. That's a very negative thing. Okay, so when it comes to burial traditions, all right, so um, we've got crypt, we have grave, or we have... Cremation. Cremation, which are the primary ones that we have in Western society today. Recently, we have uh, the rise of environmentally friendly uh, composting uh, burials, which I think are a fantastic idea. But, you know, there's other cultures in the world where, for, say, for instance, I can think of a South American culture right now who, when they bury their dead, they build a platform in the top of a tree and lay the dead bodies up there um, where, you know, the sun dries them out and the birds eat them. Yep. Is that morally wrong? <sighs> in and of itself, is that morally wrong? I think so. Yep. Yep, because your culture dictates that that is morally wrong. Find me a Bible verse where it says that that is morally wrong. Now, let me, let me clarify this. If that is attached to uh, spiritual beliefs that are wrong, then that is an issue. Yeah. But if it's just their burial practices, that's how they get rid of dead bodies and that's how they take care of the issue. Show me a Bible verse. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah. He's gone silent. Well, because there is I, none. Well, I, that's, that's, you're <laughs> Which right. is the whole point. This is the whole point. There is no Bible verse on this. There is no Bible verse. You know, we in our Western society, we think, oh, that's horrific. That's that's kind of barbaric. Um, but the reality is, if that within that culture, that is how that family is going to find comfort and closure. And I've still got Liam on the other side of the microphone, cringing here. No, no. Look, it's not um, because I can't find a verse. It's because, as I said, this whole the whole subject yeah, of death. It just it's not my subject. It's, it makes me feel giving him the creeps. It, yeah. Just, okay. But it, it illustrates the point where often we see something that is not within our culture. Therefore we will endeavor to build an array of verses to say that it is wrong. And so we'll go as missionaries to that culture and say that what you're doing here is wrong. You need to cremate, you need to crypt, you need to bury whatever our you know tradition, religious tradition is that we come from. 
and they don't get the same kind of closure and comfort from you know a western style service as what we would but we expect them to do so and so we impose our culture upon them yes indeed Okay, so culture is one of those things that we need to be aware of and we need to be aware of the fact that we are always going to try and find Bible passages to defend our culture. Let's uh, talk about another one then. Thank you. Um, we'll, we'll change the subject and move along from that one. Um, I think uh, I've got um, oh, Liam look, totally cringing over here. But we'll yeah. talk about, uh, okay, let's talk about communism versus capitalism, left, okay. left versus right. Yes, very much. Okay, this is something I can be a bit more into. Okay, so you've got, um, you've got equality of outcome versus equality of opportunity. Yes. What I find fascinating is when I meet Christians who come from a communist country, like, say, for instance, China and so forth, and how they will build an array of verses to support equality of outcome. Yeah. And then, of course, you meet your capitalists, and they will build an array of verses to um, to defend equality of opportunity. Yeah, the, um, the the best sort of analogy or the best um, illustration of this that I've ever seen in my of life of the difference between um, uh, op- opportunity and outcome outcome is there's a, a picture that describes the uh, uh, three people three. Yeah, three people looking over a fence to watch something. To watch, I think they were watching a baseball game or something like that. And there was a, a young boy, a young young boy that was quite short. And then there was a sort of a, a person, a, a boy that was you know mid to early te- early to sort of the tweens area. And then there was someone that was you know fully grown. So they were short, medium height, and tall. And each of these each of these guys, they each had a, a box to stand on. Now the boy standing on the box, he couldn't see over the fence. The, the small boy, the in-between boy standing on the box, he could see over the fence. And the man at the end, who was very tall, standing on the box, he could see over the fence quite quite well. And so this is that that there is uh, opportunity, opportunity. They all have the same opportunity, all have the same box. Whereas the outcome being uh, where the, the, uh, the other side of the of the coin is where the tall man okay, so basically give what his it, box to the short boy. So the short boy's got two boxes to stand on so that everyone can see over the fence. In a capitalist society, the tall guy has the opportunity to be a blessing to the short person and share. Yes, there we go. Whereas in a communist society, it's legislated. There's no opportunity for sharing whatsoever at all. It's just yes. like... Look, it's much up. easier to understand with the, illustra- with the illustration <laughs> rather than describing it. Um, okay, but what my point is is that people will create a Jesus that suits their political culture. Yeah, yeah. So people will create a left-wing Jesus, they'll create a right-wing Jesus according to where they are on the political spectrum rather than focusing on the biblical Jesus which is above politics and above that spectrum. One thing that I've heard in that is that some when people are are getting one side of the story, one side of of God or Jesus, they go to the Old Testament. When they want a different side of God, they want they go to the New Testament because it people. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't agree with that. No, like that you wouldn't agree that people do that, or that. Um, well, I think that you can build a um, a communist or a capitalist, a left or a right, from either either side of the old test, old or new test. Do you think either side favours one or the other? Not at all. It's completely above both. 
So, okay, so that's... Now, I have my own you know, political opinions, yes. which I hold very dearly and very strongly and very vehemently, but I have to recognize that God is above all of that. When Jesus was here, how much did he get involved in the left or right you know, arguments that were taking place in his world at that particular time? He didn't. He, do, he was above all of those things, and he focused people on you know, the issue of you know, salvation and heaven, getting, getting, to, uh, getting to heaven, and... Uh, yeah, and that's where we need to be looking as well. This is, uh, anyway, this is Sarah Groves with Blessed Be the Tie. Before our Father's throne, we pour out ardent prayer. Our fears and hopes are one. Our comforts and our cares. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. We share each other's woes, our common burdens bear. Sarah Groves with Bless Be The Tie. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. We're about to have another clue for our second quiz of the day. See if you can be the person to win this one. Uh, what have you got there for the second clue, please? Oh, I put the, uh, put the clue in my Bible to mark the place. So I lost it for a minute, but I found it. So second clue for the second quiz this morning is Abraham and 318 trained men recovered all the goods and people taken captive from this city. Mm, there you go. 
Which city was this? If you know the answer, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. Okay, so coming back to the issue of culture, uh, another issue that we can talk about, uh, which is uh, very interesting. Well, a couple of uh, sm- well, let's talk about a culture that is within a culture. So, within our culture, we have the medical profession and the legal profession. So, two professional cultures. Yes, subcultures within the Australian culture. Indeed. Okay, so here's what I find interesting: is that both of these cultures have a different attitude towards God. And I'm not talking blanketly by any stretch of the imagination. This is my anecdotal opinion, observation, whatever you want to call it, and you can call me up and tell me I'm completely wrong, um, and I'll be happy to hear that. But um, this, is, this is my kind of observation, and I, you know, I, I wasn't the original person to come up with it, but since it was suggested to me, I've gone, yeah, you know what, that's actually correct. And so you're going to find within the medical culture an attitude of a, a focus on the mercy of God, yeah, and on the legal culture or the legal profession, you're going to focus. You're going to see a focus on the justice of God. Yeah, there's a bit of a movement going around amongst Christians. You know, God doesn't kill. This whole God doesn't kill movement. Yeah, you're going to find that primarily driven by people within the medical profession, and you're going to find it primarily opposed by people who are in the legal profession. Yeah, I th- yeah, absolutely. Which, 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 when you sit back and you're not a part of either of those professions, and your profession is actually theology, then you say, "No, wait a minute, guys. Both of you are allowing your culture to flavor your attitude towards God. Put your culture aside and focus on what does the Bible say. Indeed, and make your culture subservient." To the Bible. Yes. And so, you know, within the medical profession, you've got this whole thing of do no harm um, and, you know, preserve life at all costs regardless of whether, you know, what the circumstances of the person might be or who the person might be or anything like that. You know, you just sort of don't ask questions. You've got the whole Hippocratic Oath and so forth. And so medical people like to see that God is like themselves, that God does no harm. Yeah. Therefore, God does not kill. Uh, legal people, from a legal profession, they're like, well, justice must be done, and justice comes with consequences, and sometimes consequences are, you know, capitalist, uh, capital punishment. Indeed. Um, And so sometimes that is what's going to take place. And so people bring their culture to the Bible rather than bringing the Bible to the culture. We are all guilty of it. Indeed. We all do it. Oh, yeah. You, You can't not. It's not something that is... It's just a thing. It's just the way it is. And a lot of people, they probably don't think they are, but they're, they're not aware of it that they are. Oh, absolutely. And I'll be the first to put up my hand and say that, you know, I'm, I, 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 never, I, never, I never allow culture to dictate, dictate my view of the Bible, uh, but the reality is that I know that's not the truth. Yes. Because we all do. Yes. We all look at God and our picture of God is affected by our culture. It's and based we need on the to go to the Bible. Yeah. And we need to get a picture from the Bible. Here's another interesting one. I'll, um, I'll toss this one out there. And I find this one from traveling overseas. So uh, if I go to Papua New Guinea, for instance, Indeed. and uh, you know, you've, got a, you've got a tropical climate up there, preaching um, up on the north coast there um, one time. And, of course, the culture there, the Christian culture that you have, is a culture that dictates when you preach, you wear a full suit. 
Okay, now I want you to think about this for a moment. So, <laughs> so you've got oh no, I'm fully, blazing. I'm heat, fully aware. Three million I've, percent um, humidity. I've, this, right? Yeah. Um, you've got the and you're preaching under a tin roof. Yeah, in a tin roof, and it. You, you, the sweat is just pouring off you. The Bible is crystal clear that the priest should the pastor not wear has, anything that the, should make him sweat. That's what the Bible says. The pastor has a Bible in one hand and, and a towel in another hand. That's you know? it. That's it. Preaching the word and keeping but his face But the culture dry. dictates you wear a suit. And Absol- if you don't wear yeah. a suit, you know, you'd be in all kinds of strife. And what does my head in is that when you look at it in the congregation and there are long dresses, there are long sleeves, there is, you know, white shirts with thermal underwear underneath of it. It's it makes not a lot. I don't understand the the, the thermal the thermal. Okay, so here's where it comes from. Here's where it comes and here's how it comes about. When the missionaries first went to Papua New Guinea, uh, the Papua New the the, the, the uh, indigenous population wore very little clothes because very tropical climate, very tropical environment, and they decided that Western culture was a part of their Christianity. Yes, and so they took their culture of how they dressed. And passed it on to the indigenous people. They probably came in the cooler months, and and they they. You there know, is no such thing as cooler months. It's like oh, it drops by three kilometers from the equator. It, it, it slight <laughs> a slight drop in temperature. <laughs> I think it varies by four degrees um, from around the year, but um, it wasn't. Yeah, no, it wasn't an issue that came in the cooler months. It was an issue that that was how they dressed and how they felt comfortable within their culture. They were Victorian era. Uh, missionaries, and so they built a biblical framework for that. And of course, the West moved on, and uh, this was the culture that was left in Papua. Now, it's not wrong that the, the Christian culture that is in Papua New Guinea, it's not wrong. It's, there's nothing biblical wrong with it. It, you know, might be frustrating for somebody, for me coming from my cultures, like guys. You know, there is such a thing as, um, you know. Not wearing a suit coat <laughs> um, when it is a billion degrees out there. But that's not morally wrong. It's not a moral issue. And if that's their culture, I'm happy to abide by it while I'm there um, and to honour their culture. It does make you look up to them a little bit. You know, when, when you're sitting in your, your, you know, your, shirt, oh, your short sleeve shirt Respect. and your shorts and you just look them, they're standing up there preaching the good word, sweating it out. It just, although the Bible, it says, you know, don't make anything, wear anything that makes you sweat. It makes them look like that they're so into the word. <laughs> yeah, because the sweat pouring. It's so powerful that sweat <laughs> is just pouring out of their uh, head. But see, this is where It adds to the passion. This is where your culture affects this story as different from my culture. <laughs> your culture is a culture of sitting in the audience. My culture is a culture from standing up the front. And so those are two sub- subcultures right here within this studio. And uh, two very different experiences that we bring to it. And so one, once again, that's a great example of how culture uh, affects our Christianity and how that if we are going to speak about another culture that is wrong, we need to do it from a biblical standpoint. I'll give you another example. In the Middle East, feet are offensive part of the body. Okay. Right? So, so for instance, when you come into the presence of God, you take your shoes off. You stand in bare feet. Um, when you go into somebody's house, your feet are washed. You know, this was the culture in Jesus' day. Whereas, and, and as a result of that, when you, um, you know, Middle Eastern worship, to this day, if you go into a mosque, you take your shoes off. Indeed. 
to this very day. That's that's a cultural aspect that has passed all the way down yeah, through. Yeah, I've, I've and, 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 and I've Jesus that. speaking to the culture of that particular time when Jesus turned up. You know, take your shoes off your feet because the land that you're standing on is holy ground. Indeed. But that's not a biblical mandate. There's nothing in the Bible that says you must do this every time you come into the presence of God. And so in Western culture, where um, feet smell is an issue, uh, we leave our shoes on because it would be offensive to take our shoes off. Whereas in Middle Eastern culture, it's offensive to leave your shoes on. And the Bible is agnostic about it. The Bible is not giving you a, a mandate either which way. Yeah. And so if I'm worshipping with Middle Eastern people, I'm happy to take my shoes off. And if I'm worshipping with Western people, I'm happy to leave them on. It's just different ways of honouring God. We need to make sure that we honour God within our culture, but that the Bible dictates what our culture is because the Bible always trumps culture. Indeed. This is uh, Catherine Scott with When I Survey.
team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Keep in touch with vulnerable members of your community like grandparents or new mothers and see if there's something you can do to help them with simple things like picking up some groceries, collecting the mail or dropping off some meals. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone living in isolation or quarantine. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Are drugs or alcohol a problem in your life? Alcohol Drugs Assist, or ADA, is a 12-step recovery program designed to help you escape the hold of addictions in a friendly and judgment-free environment. ADA meets regularly, and if you'd like to attend, give Peter a call or text on 0487 907 879. That's 0487 907 879.
That was Sarah Gracie with Ashes and Sand. Welcome back to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. That, uh, we've come time for one of my favourite parts of the program. Question of the day. Question of the day. Question of the day. day. That's right. So that was a little jingle that I've put in my head. Question of the day. Yeah, anyway. Um, Question of the day today is, do we need to kneel to pray? When we pray, yeah, that's a really good question, and it kind of goes along with the what we've been studying. What we've been studying because Western culture is that for formal prayer, you kneel, close your eyes, and fold your hands. That's uh, how we're taught to pray as kids within Western culture, and that has been a past, part of Western culture for a very, very, very long time. The question is: Is this a biblical mandate or not? Yes. Okay, there's so a couple of principles. Uh, the first one we're going to look at is what is found in, uh, let me see, First Thessalonians chapter 5. First Thessalonians chapter 5. We'll head over there real quick, just flicking a couple of pages here. And one of the shortest verses in the Bible, it says in verse 17, pray without ceasing. Okay, if you're going to put this into practice, that means that you're going to spend your entire life on your knees with your hands folded and your eyes closed. That's not going to work out very well for you. So prayer is one of those things that we have kind of two versions of it. There is informal prayer and formal prayer. Informal prayer is talking to God, and we do that all the time. This is a spiritual experience. It's a little bit like you know jumping on the internet, on your Wi-Fi, whatever. It is always connected. It is never disconnected, and we need to keep that connection with open, open with God always. It's uh, when we wake up in the morning, we open that connection with God, and we leave that connection open all day long, so that information can go from us to God and from God back to us. Does not mean that we are constantly constantly talking to God, it means that we are constantly connected to God. But then there is more formal prayer. So David, you know, King David, for instance, um, he says, you know, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, cry aloud and he will hear my voice. Daniel the prophet opened his window towards Jerusalem and prayed in his window toward Jerusalem. Now, the question really that is being asked here revolves around formal prayer, not informal prayer. I think we all understand that. Okay, so when we are formally praying, do we have to kneel? Is that a biblical mandate requirement that we have right here? And when you read in the Bible, you're going to find a number of different ways that people prayed. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 27, you find that the Israelites bowed their heads. So they're standing, but they bow their heads. Um, in prayer and gratitude and worship. In Job chapter 1 and verse 20, you find that Job falls with his face to the ground. So he's right down there on the ground. He's got his face to the ground. And that's you know, a very similar way to the way that, uh, for instance, uh, Muslim people would worship. That's the way that they pray today. Um, and, of course, that comes from a Middle Eastern culture. That comes from Middle Eastern custom um, of the time. That was how you showed honor to God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 20, verse 19, you find that the Levites stood and prayed to God with a loud shout. So that was quite an exuberant prayer right there. Um, and then, of course, Psalms 95, verse 6, you know, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. And there are about 32 verses in the Bible that talk about kneeling. But what kind of kneeling that is, we do not know. Is it a one knee kneel a two knee kneel or is it an islamic style face to the ground kind of kneel the bible doesn't define it just says kneeling and there are many different ways of kneeling what i've never been able to find in the bible is anything about closing your eyes or closing your, or, or or folding your hands now maybe that is in the bible somewhere uh, but the bible does talking about you know praying with you know holy hands lifted up to god um that that is in the Bible. 
it's not something that's a part of my culture from you know my faith community, but it is definitely there in Scripture. And so I think what is important here, and this is be an interesting exercise for you to do, is to pray to God in each one of you know a number of different um, attitudes of prayer and just see what difference it makes because it makes a difference. It makes a difference to the way you think about God. It makes a difference to the way you think about yourself. And it makes a difference to the way that you relate to God. And you need to find an attitude, an attitude of prayer that is going to work for you um, with your connection with God. And I think there are different circumstances where different forms of prayer are appropriate. Uh, within our culture, we often pray to start a, a worship service on our knees and finish by standing for a benediction. Uh, but that's just simply our culture. Um, it's not a biblical mandate. Well, I've heard a million times In many songs and rhymes I've witnessed arguments about how it will be Will it be every living eye To see Him coming in the sky And what about the midnight cry I hear them say, oh are the streets like I was told? Are they really made of gold? Will Jerusalem be built where it is now? How can there be a crystal sea If the sea has ceased to be? All these questions annoy me I just don't care I want to be there I just want to be there And sit at my Jesus feet I want to be there I just don't care about the crown Or the color of the gown As long as Jesus is in town I want to be about 
the crown Or the color of the gown As long as Jesus is in town I wanna be Welcome back. That was Leonardo Goncalves with there. We've come time to the end of the show. We've got to the end of the program. We are. What are we giving away today for free? The thing that we're giving away for free, it's a little bit about, we, we, we were talking a little bit about this earlier, not this specific thing, but health and wellness, secrets that will change your life. This book is by Mark Finlay and Peter Landless. Okay. So, yeah, a bunch of health information. Um, un- unpack it there and... We'll get if into you it. Would, if you would like your copy, then be the first caller through on 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. Simply be the first person to catch us. And that book by Peter Landless and Mark Finley, um, both exceptionally good presenters, will be available for you. Coming up after the show right now, we're going to have John Bradshaw, who's going to join us. He will unpack John Chapter 6, so do stay tuned for that. And joining us again tomorrow at 7 a.m., or do join us again tomorrow for our 7 a.m. breakfast show. Our featured interview tomorrow will be Barand Neustraten talking to us about the book of Genesis. Of course, that's always a favorite here on the show. And so we're looking forward to having... Uh, Barand join us tomorrow that's all coming up tomorrow and of course don't forget that we always like to encourage you to study the Bible if you would like to do my Bible study course it's called the prophetic code it's available through the discovery center and you can get it entirely for free just give us a call right here at faith FM on 1-800-324-843 don't forget to talk faith live faith and act faith right throughout this day you will grow strong in Jesus Christ God be What must I do to be saved? Jesus.
Thanks for being part of the Faith FM family. May I never blush, may I never whisper, may I shout your name out loud, Jesus Christ is
Jesus Christ. 